Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So I've been learning the cultures of the people of the north of England. In a week, I've learned that all chips come with gravy, all of them. That you can have your dinner or your tea before four o'clock in the afternoon. That's socially acceptable. And um, it really, really does rain all of the time. I'm sodden. <laughs> Episode 16. Tone after the tone. Hello, Mushy Mush, hola, Slancha, cheers, Merry Christmas, hello, happy holidays and all the rest of it. Episode 16 of After the Tone, 40 minutes a week of your voice notes and my laughter, all held together by the wonderful, seamlessly held together actually, by the wonderful producer Deb. Can you believe it? (laughs) The end of the year is almost upon us. I know, it's frightening, isn't it? I think it's been eventful, to say the very least. (laughs) Oh, we've had plenty to talk about this year and nothing at all, haven't we? But strangers of times, some years, fuck all. This year, well... (laughs) I think everything and nothing is the best way to summarise it. Although, I tell you what, I'm not sure I actually ever want to go back to how it was. I know there's all this talk about a vaccine being rolled out and everyone going back to how it was, but I tell you what, I quite like not being here, there and everywhere. You know, I quite like doing yoga every day. I was that knobhead at the start of lockdown that was like, let's make some banana bread! I mean, I would like people to stop dying and stuff, of course. But, you know, I just hope that we retain some of this sort of slower pace of life that we've learned in 2020 into 2021. I mean, I say that and it just sounds like a made up number. Because I remember, I mean, I am old enough to remember when we turned into the year 2000. And that felt like, 
this just sounds like a year out of a sci-fi thing. So anyway, with that in mind, we've got a show coming up that I'd love to hear about your fears and your excitement for 2021 because we've got a show on New Year's Eve. Oh, yeah. So I'd like to know what you've got planned for next year. (laughs) Penciled, come on, let's be honest with each other. What you've canned, what you're already like saying that's definitely not going to happen. What do you think you'll retain from this year of um, 2020? And what are you desperate to do for next year? I'd love to have a little insight into what the next 12 months look like for you, because for me, not sure. (laughs) So if you've got any thoughts on the year ahead, you know what to do. Open up the WhatsApp pan. Send us a little voice note to this number. 0788-200-3420. Right, anyway, I think we should throw ourselves into it and see what's in the mailbag this week because it looks quite chunky, actually. So here we go. Hi, Scotty. It's Miss Annabelle Sings here. How are you? Oh, I thought I'd leave a message. Take me 15 episodes, but I I had to stop what I was doing and uh, leave a message about shit celebrity. In fact, a celebrity being a shit. Now, for legalities, I'll call this person Dame Flandreau Floyd Fleber. Um, many thousands of years ago, I used to work at theatre as an usher in uh, that London, Victoria, Apollo, working as an usher on uh, Bombay Dreams, that classic. On preview night, Dame Flandreau Floyd Fleber came to see the show. This was during uh, his raging alcoholic years. He decided to take great offence at one of the ushers, not me in this case, whispering to show a latecomer to their seat. He went off to the manager at the end of the show, incensed that his wonderful show was absolutely ruined. He couldn't deal with it. So he wanted all of the ushers to get up on stage at the end of the show, after the ovation, to say sorry to Dame Flandreau one by one. Now, two things. There wasn't a standing ovation. The show was a big fat pile of shit. And also... The manager at the time, lovely Shelley, told him to go fuck himself. So that's my story of a shit celebrity, celebrity shit. I might pop back one time to give you one of my various shit stories. I seem to be collecting them. Anyway, toodle pip, tally ho. <laughs> lovely Miss Annabelle Sings there. Miss Annabelle Sings and me, we go a long way back. And so I'm glad that you're joining the party. First time caller, long time listener, little star there for you, Miss Annabelle Sings. Now... Gossip, scandal and intrigue. You know me, I'm all here for it. But I can't verify this story actually happened because of, as you said, the legalities around it. But, oh my God, how fantastic! (laughs) Do you know what? There's part of me which is like, it's kind of genius, really, to be like, it's my show, I want everyone to (laughs) apologise. I mean, it is quite the queenie thing to do, isn't it? It's a little bit Liza Minnelli, and I'm kind of here for that energy. But can we just talk about Bombay Dreams? Anyone who's unafay with the work of Bombay Dreams, it was that Bollywood summer that everyone kept on talking about because Bollywood became like this sort of cultural touch point in the UK. And I'm not sure if in other parts of Europe, but I was here in the UK and so I can tell you it did. Where, you know, white girls called Jemima would wear bindis. Mm, Side eye emoji. And um, we had like some sort of Bollywood tracks. Holly Valance, she's dead. Actually, I don't know if she is dead, but I think she might be dead. I think she's dead. She did that sort of uh, Iranian Bollywood Turkish track. 
Anyway, Bombay Dreams had a chart-topping number in it. It had shakalaka baby, shakalaka baby, you'll shakalaka with me. I think so. Also, it was quite the musical because it was the first musical ever to have a fountain live on stage. Oh, so um, any more gossip, scandal and intrigue that anybody else would like to give, I'm more than welcome. And if you could, just like Miss Annabelle Sings, change the name, that would be fab. Because, you know, otherwise Andrew Lloyd Webber is going to sue me. Hi, Scotty. Just calling, following your comments about the shirts that you drew on on your last day of school, because we also did that. I went to a comprehensive school in Greater Manchester, and that was a big thing that the Year 11s really looked forward to. I remember being chronically mortified that someone had drawn a pair of boobs on my shirt. I just wasn't cool enough to handle that and be able to walk it off to the point where I went home at lunchtime to change my shirt into a fresh one because I just couldn't handle walking around school with a pair of tits on me. So if I hated it, why have I still got the shirt 16 years later in a box under my bed? I'm going to go through that box. You've absolutely inspired me. Possibly might hang on to my diaries from the ages of 12 to 17 for a bit because that's always good for a laugh after a bottle of wine. But I don't need a shirt with drawing all over it of people I do not speak to anymore and a broken ruler of when I went to a museum for a birthday when I was nine. Yep, got to go through that box. In fact, that's what I'm going to do now. Thanks, Scotty. Love the podcast. Oh, hello, lovely person. Yeah, why do we keep holding this shite? It's absolute shite. (laughs) I really love the shame of being like, oh my God, you drew boobs on me. <laughs> Why have you got a broken ruler? In which world was that such a memory? And what museum were you at for you to think this is going to be an artefact of the future? I definitely think you should keep hold of those diaries because there's loads of those podcasts that, you know, like things that I wrote when I was a kid and now I'm drunk performing it to your naked. There's loads of those things. You can make some money out of it, really. So see it as an investment. What does comprehensive school mean? I mean, I can't ever work out because I evidently didn't go to school. Does comprehensive school mean the one that sounds posh, but it's not posh? Because does public school mean the one that's posh, but it's definitely not got children from the public in it? It's just got, like, children from upper echelons of society. Very big word there. Thank you very much. Hi, Scotty. Surprisingly, I'm actually about to start making some food and I thought I'd uh, leave a little message. I was just listening to the call that that JRF did and he was talking about the back fat boys and it reminded me of when I was at primary school. Me and my friend decided to create a band and we wrote songs about recycling and rubbish. We were the before... Um, Extinction Rebellion. We were before them. So we decided we needed to come up with a name and we were nine. So we didn't really know what the impact of our words. We brainstormed and we came up with the name for our band, which we then went to the teachers with. And we couldn't understand why they were like, oh, no, you, you can't call it that. Come up with something else. And we couldn't understand why they didn't want two nine-year-olds to have a band called The Junkies. Looking back understand why now (laughs) regular caller and long-term listener toby there thank you very much for your phone call 
Why does my mum always call me during recording of this podcast? <laughs> Every week. I'm just trying to do my podcast, mum. Anyway, that reminded me, when I was in about year five or six school, primary school, that's your first school if you're listening abroad, I was on a BBC Two very flagship programme called Food and Drink. It just sort of told middle class posh people like, and this is the wine that you should be drinking this week from this shop. And it was always dead fancy. So, I mean, who knows why our school was on it. But we had to design healthy eating campaigns. Me! Big fat old me! (laughs) On the telly talking about why you should feed kids carrots. We came up with a character name called Peter Carrot. No, me either. I mean, evidently the food education worked with me, didn't it? Actually, that was just my mum calling because... I made a little audio documentary with her and she just wanted to say that she thought she sounded brilliant. (laughs) Modesty runs in this family. (laughs) Hi, Scotty. I'm lying in bed feeling really sorry for myself because I've got my first cold of the year. I'm normally one of those people from, like, September through to March. I've just always got a blocked nose, snotty, honestly gross and this year's been bliss actually when I look back at it I thought it was a terrible year but when I think about how clear my nose has been all year inside obsessively washing my hands if there's one good thing to take away from 2020 and now I've got a cold yeah I'm just laying in bed it's funny because you got to choose like a favorite nostril because obviously you lay one side and one nostril drains, then you lay the other side and the other one drains and the other one drips. So I'm just having to pick a favourite and I just don't know which one I prefer. I just want to be able to breathe out my nose again, you know. It's a tough time. But um, at least lockdown served one purpose. Now, my advice would be definitely to go get a flu jab because, like you, I'm quite susceptible to a head cold around about this time of year. And I got the flu jab because um, my mum's a shielded person, so I got it for free. But apparently you can pay for it and it's not too expensive. But, I mean, you've still got to pay for it. I mean, you could just fucking lie, couldn't you? Fuck it. It's only giving money to the Tories. Fuck them! Now, you could get that. And I tell you what, I had nothing... Absolutely nothing, but who knows, you know, because I am also completely shit scared of everyone in the street and wearing a mask and washing my hands like you. Do you remember when we used to have colds in the olden days? And by olden days, I mean last year. And uh, we'd just go to work. We'd just like hug people and just be like, oh, I've got a bit of a cold. And you just like hug and kiss your friends. What were we thinking? Hey, Scotty. Hey, Debbie. Ashling here. I just listened to the message from the Irish person talking about guilt and shame. I sound a bit upset because like it actually it like got a real emotional response from me. Just hearing someone talk about the Magdalene laundries outside of an Irish context is like really powerful because it's something that like, you know, anytime I talk to someone who isn't Irish, I when I explain it, it's like it's something I'm ashamed of talking about. You know, it's something that I feel like I can't believe I have to say this about the country that I came from. Because, like, the thing that listeners might not realise is that the Magdalene Laundries existed until 1993. Um, I was two years old, you know. 
like when I was a kid going to school, they used to like bring us on a field trip to a place that was a former laundry. And just the idea of that in my head is so sickening. Ireland is empathetic in a way if you beg for it. Growing up in a time in Ireland where I saw how people could make a change was really great. Both the marriage equality referendum and the abortion rights referendum were very significant times where I definitely believed that people could make a change. But the work and the the begging and the convincing people had to do for basic human rights was horrific, horrific. Um, Personally, as I grow older and I talk to more people about the things that have happened within my family, I just hear more and more stories. I think pretty much every Irish person has a story like yours, Scotty, where a family member either ended up in a laundry or nearly did. And it's just, it's, it's disgusting. And people have a very certain perception of what Irishness is and what Ireland is. And I don't know how true it is because the shame is overwhelming. It's destroyed families. It's like it's something that's not really going to be undone very quickly. I have a half brother who didn't grow up in my household and I can see how much shame my mother carries around with her her whole life about that, how she will kind of never forgive herself. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to see that those stories and those situations are just like dotted throughout family trees here. And it just all kind of filters down to you and you carry that around with you and I don't even know what my point is here but I just uh, I just wanted to say that I appreciate you talking about it on the show and it's something that I hope will get better Um, and yeah big love to anyone who is carrying it around with them fuck shame fuck shame forever Also, a correction, I was wrong. The last Magdalene Laundry closed on the 25th of September 1996 in Waterford. I was actually five when the last Magdalene Laundry closed. Thank you so much, Ashlyn, for that very thoughtful conversation. And yeah, you can hear the emotion in your voice. It's very real. It's very real for us. I mean, there's a saying, well, I wouldn't say it was a saying, it's a parlance because it's used so often in Irish, which is, sure, you know yourself. I think it's like a retweet or an amen. Do you know what I mean? It's like you could be telling a story or you could be saying, you know, this thing happened in my family. And then you might just cut yourself off and be like, sure, you know yourself. Because there is a very similar experience that runs through Irishness. It is a very dark stain on Irish history about the Magdalene Laundries. And I think you're right, there is a perception, particularly from the Americans and the American Irish, that um, Ireland is culture. Ireland is river dance. (laughs) So you know yourself, the man who (laughs) invented that is American. And, you know, like the common cultural perceptions are of Guinness and those fucking polystyrene hats. And actually, it's way more muckier and ugly. And yes, everyone likes to have the laugh and the chats and the pints and shite, but there is so much to unpack. Um, I think grief needs to be unpacked. And just to pick up on, you know, it's given if we beg. It's so Catholic again, like penance. And I had friends that were very heavily involved in the equal marriage referendum. And they talk 
about what they had to do to convince, which is essentially to heterosexualify themselves. You know, they put on their nice, neat Sunday best and swooped their hair over to one side and said, we're just like Jared next door. Essentially did the sort of the Graham Norton effect, which is to desexualize, uh, to depoliticize, to normify. Yes, it got the referendum through, but at what cost? Hiya, Scotty, love. It's that JRF here. Hiya, love. How are you? Hiya, producer Debbie. Hiya, the carer. Hiya, that JRF fans. <laughs> Any road. Oh, you shady bitches. I love it. Reading me for filth. Oh, it's good crack. Any road. That lovely Dutch person. Oh, I wanted to give them a little cuddle through the, the speaker. Oh, it's an adorable accent. Um, Sexy Nick with his sweaty spuds and labels. This is why I love umbrella terms. All-encompassing terms like queer. Because on paper, my sexual orientation would be... Straight. Because the longest relationship I've ever had was a heterosexual relationship. Plot twist. I have never felt straight. I've never felt gay. I've not felt bi. As I've learned language to describe myself and identify what I am, I know some people would say I was pansexual. I mean, at the moment, I'm sort of asexual because I don't really want pumping. Bless me. Sorry to spoil the, the illusion for those listening. Yes, I've had my little dalliances with gentlemen and ladies. Uh, Sorry, she's very windy today. Uh, um, oh, Christ. Regarding the JRF-ness, my preference is JRF, but I don't mind being called James. There we are. That's the kind of label that I understand. I go along with the kind of, like, gay shit. <laughs> I feel close to that. And most people, you know, when they meet me, go, mm, she's a fagula. And I'm okay with that, because that's fine. That's how people perceive you. But once they get to know me, they know me. Many years, I was very confused. I didn't know if I was trans. I didn't know if I was gay. I didn't know if I was straight. But yes, I don't mind being called James, but my preference is JRF. And I don't mind being called he or she or they or them. But my preference is they or them, and if we're being a bit campery, being sweet, I don't mind a little she. And I understand Sexy Nick with his sweaty potatoes. I can understand that kind of slight lostness. So anyway, solidarity with you, doll. Big love to you all. Love and light, God bless. JRF there, in-house regular, always at the end of the bar, and our in-house pots and pans sexual. <laughs> or our pans people sexual. All of the sexuals, I totally understand, you know, trying to define yourself by um, what some academic has sort of come up with. Because essentially, that's how all of these things happen, isn't it? It's like people in universities go, I think it's called this, and here's the theory and history behind it. And, you know, oh, are we all in discourse? Oh, look at me!
Yeah, that was a big word. It's not really a big word. It just means argument or um, disagreement or debate, I think. Because, yeah, and do you know what? I think we should love those sort of rough edges. I do. I quite like being a big faggot. And then sometimes I like being a Mary. And then sometimes I'm very queer. And then sometimes I'm just like, oh, get to fuck. So whatever that's called, I think that's, uh, that's where you'll find me. But there is that pressure to identify, isn't there? When really, whose business is it where you put in it or where you're not? I think there's a moral to be found there. I'm not sure what it is, but, you know, there is. Oh, we're halfway there. That's just me saying that we're halfway there, really. Because um, I always like to have a little breather halfway through. So it's quite a lot of energy listening to you bunch of fucking knobheads. <laughs> And I always think it's a nice little moment to jump out of the podcast and go onto the internet. And we had a lovely little review on the Twitter vision this week. If you want to have a little conversation with us, hashtag after the tone POD. Uh, This one comes from Tom, boy and pen. I don't listen to podcasts because I work in theatre, so I get middle class people giving me their opinions too much already. (laughs) But wait for it. But I've just tried Scotty's one, and actually, it's very homely. It's like having your mouthy auntie sat in the room, good whilst you're ironing. (laughs) Isn't that lovely? I love the creativity of that review as well. So 10 points to you, Tom, Boy and Pen. Very much appreciate you taking the time out to tell the people on your Twitter vision about the podcast. We do really love hearing from you through the week and any little bits you want to talk about off stage, off camera, and also just feeding back about you know how you thought the episode went it's always lovely to talk to you you can find me on all platforms at scotty is fat also remember next week is our christmas show christmas gone wrong so we're very much into hearing any of your christmas debacles you know like vomiting in your handbag did your nana find your ketamine stash any of that shit pick up the whatsapp and give us a little voice note to this number zero seven double eight 200-3420. Well, there we go. I think we should jump back into the show. We've all had a little breather. Let's see what's waiting for us on the other side. Hi, Scotty. Long time listener, first time caller. I decided the lockdown would be a good time to move house. So we've been living with the in-laws for nine weeks now, which is um, obviously really generous of them, but quite a challenge mother-in-law father-in-law um obviously around quite a lot and I've been working from home and uh father-in-law does have sometimes a bit of a temper I'm talking quite quietly because I'm pretty sure they're not in the house but you know just in case so one morning he was obviously in a little bit of a bad mood and uh I'd sort of clocked him while I was in the kitchen making my tea so then a few minutes later I heard some quite loud raging going on and then some swearing and then he just yeah basically just launched the egg across the kitchen because he couldn't peel it and then he was pretty angry for quite a while after that so I've got a different relationship with boiled eggs now I think from this special time we've had love the podcast it's really got us through some difficult times all right speak to soon I feel like I need to whisper like this now as well so they just don't overhear what my response is. I feel like I'm in on a secret with you and I don't want to spoil it. 
Now, yeah, wild time to be moving home, isn't it? What were we thinking? (laughs) I've turned up in Manchester thinking, I'm going to make some friends. Well, I fuck. Everything's closed and everyone's behind a mask and everyone's in the houses. (laughs) Anyway, I'm glad you're with the in-laws. Well, not really, because it would be lovely if you had your own place right now, wouldn't it? Because who needs passive-aggressive? I mean, I've said passive-aggressive. You didn't say that just in case your partner pulls you up on that. But who needs passive-aggressive father-in-law throwing eggs around? That's one way to make an egg mayonnaise. Oof, de manas for our sort of French people who are listening. (laughs) Isn't it funny when men get angry at inanimate... (laughs) They get angry at inanimate objects. Now, as a child, I used to be quite frightened of this, of course, but, you know, my household has changed. And now when men sort of throw things around, I always say... (laughs) I find it really lovely because it's so belittling. I'm always like, what did the egg do to you? (laughs) Men are so stupid. I want to know how the mother-in-law is put up with it. Have you had any moments of solidarity where you've gone, oh, I'll get him. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to stop whispering now. And it was lovely to have your call about how much you love your mother and father-in-law and how much it's lovely that they have let you stay at their house. Okay, love you, bye. Hello, Scotty. Kara here. I just wanted to say what an amazing little podcast is going on now. You're right, there's some right... Great subjects getting bounced around and and they're right meat on the bone, a lot of them. I think we're hitting some really lovely subject matter. The amazing girl from Holland, English accent, so what? At least you can speak fucking English better than me. Yes to all of that and the authenticity of what we're calling for. It's been a real tough week caring for somebody you don't actually quite like. And I appreciate your honesty on the side of your family and to sort of reaffirm that the fact is the trauma that they've actually gone through in that generation. And my mum's in that 91, 92 generation, the war baby. She can just about read or write, my mum. And it's only sort of now that you see this and this time I'm spending with her, them learning so much about her own trauma, which she obviously passes on to us because she made those buttons and she knows how to push them. You often mentioned before about the similarity between us of sort of that dual heritage thing. I've never really had that. I'm slap bang in the middle. I didn't realise my dad's a Londoner from Kentish Town. And he used to work on the trains going up and down to Edinburgh. I met my mum. So I've always had that sort of jockney thing that everyone used to piss. You never underestimate the the history, what I've, the little I know of the fucking amazing history of Ireland. That's 800 years of occupation. If I remember rightly, it, it's the longest occupied colonised country in the world, do you know? And then you put your massive fucking dose of Catholicism on top of all of that. It's just a genius recipe of disaster. So there is that familiarity. I think it's just heavily in that mental working classness and the mystery of my family being so true blue that you make it yourself and your own money. There were working class people wanted out of it. So the Conservative Party were the people who offered you that sort of place of dreams, I think. And I think my mother a bit of sort of such a shame of how much poverty she came from. It's just that hardness is in her blood. I mean, my mum used to toss the K-buff for the London Scottish. And if I remember rightly, she got into the flipping world finals, what was held in the Cairngorms up in Scotland. You know, I remember it was tough love. I knew it was loved and it was tough, 
but you got battered, senseless, nowhere near abuse. There's nowhere like, is my dad going to deck me because I can't find the remote control? Has he drunk too much? Is he putting fags out me and putting me in the cupboard? Nowhere near there, but now when I talk back with therapists at times, it's more their look on their face. And to me, it's just like, that's normal shit, though. And I never remember one of my great mum's battering stories was when, I think it was the Christmas sales. Anyway, it was one of the big department stores up in fucking Oxford Street. And we were all rummaging through when they used to be rummaging things. And I wanted this thing and something. And this woman took it out of my hand. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I can't remember I must have been like, what, 13, 12? You know, it was a confrontation. And then my mum suddenly heard it was going and she was like, what's going on? And she turned around to the woman. She said, what's going on? goes, your son's just snatched that thing out of my hand. And she turned around and slapped me straight in the fucking face. She goes, did he do that? And then the other woman said something to me and shook me. And then my mum turned around to her and went, did he fucking touch my kid and smack and lamped her? That's <laughs> a few memories of that. You know, everyone got it. So I'm thinking that sort of trauma she's in at times from her anger where she's laying in bed shouting shit out at people. I recommend everyone to watch, which I only watched the other night, what brought up a lot of this and the thing is Mrs Lowry and her son. And it's about T.S. Lowry and his bitter and twisted mother. It's genius. Yeah, peace and love. Stay strong, stay true, stay you. And thank God, sorry, I meant to say J.R.F. I'm devastated it's not a real boy band. Because I was hoping it was. It was a genius name. Yeah, latest. Well, you and me both, I was very devastated that it weren't the Fat Street Boys as well. The carer there are regular. If we take this analogy of it being a local pub further, oh, I would feel that the carer is like our bouncer. You know, like the sort of informal bouncers that you used to get in um, local pubs when you were a kid, where it was like, they weren't really paid, they were just sort of there just in case something kicked off, but all their drinks were for free. I think Carol would die for any of us. Maybe not die, but, you know, get a black eye for us, which I'm about, actually. I'm very much about that. Femme protectione. Now, loads to unpack in that. Let's start with, like, I always want to acknowledge when people disclose, like, personal stuff, because course people make a choice to do that and it would be silly of me to think they didn't but you know we've got to acknowledge that people are opening up in this space for lots of different things like that person who called from Denmark last week to say that this is where they were at like JRF talking about their sexualities or non-sexual identities and here we're talking about our relationship with violence and our parents I was I guess I was quite lucky in some ways. I come from a house where actually we learnt to be so frightened of my mum's look that I would burst into fucking tears. My my mum could throw me a look and it didn't need her to throw anything else. Um, But violence for so many of us when we're working class is a capital, isn't it? And living underneath capitalism, you know, you've got to take what you can. And so violence for me was often around the boys on the estate would be hyper-violent to me. I witnessed a lot of violence from a very young age. It's the way that people articulate themselves when they're trying to survive. So, yeah, there's that. The stuff about Ireland and the occupied 
area and land. It's a tricky one. Again, it's very mucky. I've got friends who come from what I call the North and what they call Northern Ireland. It's tricky for me because my dad was an English soldier in Northern Ireland. And when he became my dad when I was two, that was a bone of contention for my Irish Roman Catholic border family. (laughs) A massive bone of contention, which... Yeah, I think lots of border families, lots of families in the north, lots of families in Northern Ireland have that relationship. You know, I've got friends who are Protestant, queer, unionists, and, you know, they they very much identify as Irish and British, and it is their right to do so. I feel like on this podcast we come to all these conversations which are neither here nor there, that, like... I, of course, have a personal belief on, but this podcast isn't about my personal belief. It's about trying to represent the universality and the non-binary, and I don't mean that in just a gendered sense, experiences that we can be one thing or the other and the other and one thing at the same time. Hmm. I'm talking myself into circles. Hi, Scotty and producer Debbie. I just wanted to reply to the caller with the cute accent who was upset that their call didn't get on the show and just to say that I find it comforting that no matter what nonsense I spew on the whatsapp producer Debbie has to listen to it so it's getting out there somewhere I feel a bit sorry for her really and um, also just wanted to talk about Scotty you said that you know how do you make friends as an adult I think this is a question I've kept coming back to. So I'm in a position where uh, when I was around 16, I had to leave home and leave my family and kind of everyone I'd grown up with and just rebuild life from scratch. And surprisingly, it takes a really long time to, to build a life. So I'm turning 24 on the 29th and it's kind of only just coming together. And even now I found it really difficult to make friends and to find a chosen family. And I I don't really think I'm there yet. It kind of made me think I feel quite lonely a lot of the time. And it feels really embarrassing to say as a young person that you feel lonely because I think people maybe think there's something wrong with me. Or maybe I think there's something wrong with me that I haven't got a family or haven't found another one. Oh, God, didn't expect to get this emotional. (laughs) But I think it's like the time of year as well. Yeah. And it just um, hits home a bit more, I guess. Christmas. So, yeah, just solidarity with not knowing how to make friends as an adult. I mean, I have made friends. It just never seems to fill the ginormous gap that's there. And everyone seems to have, you know, their childhood buddies. And it's difficult to wrangle your way into people's lives in the same way when you you get older and everyone has a life set up. So, yeah, I don't know, maybe bake people cakes or something. Everyone loves cakes. Do you know what? I want to start off by saying I really love the fact that everyone's been saying hello, producer Deb, because we all love producer Deb here. We all love producer Deb. And like the carer said last week, we know who's fucking pulling the strings. Producer Deb holds it all together. And I say that every week. And yeah, do you know what? All power and love to you. And I'd love it if you called back again, because what I love about this podcast is we're sort of gathering a community of weirdos and outsiders, aren't we? We're all a bit weird and I really fucking love that. (laughs) I really revel in the fact that we're either crazy, weird, 
a bit like off kilted. We've got something to say about the world, about how the world doesn't fit for us. And do you know what? I, I just like the fact that we're all gathering in this space. So perhaps this is a space where we can make friends and feel a little less lonely. But I'd love it if you called back again and told us where that was. And like you said, of course, you have got friends and, you know, there is a void. To a certain extent, I can relate to some of that in lots of different ways, because when I was 21, I left home for five years because the house that I grew up in wasn't in a really good space at that time. And I needed to grieve. But throughout those years, it was very difficult it was very difficult seeing other people play out happy families or to see other people with support systems. And that, that was weird. It was it was a real weird, difficult time. And Christmas and birthdays did really amplify those feelings of alienation. I think also as well, as an adult now coming to a new city, there is a slight part of this, which is like, what if I'm not cool enough? Or what if people don't like me? Or what if? Which... Um, it is scary. And I think that vulnerability always sticks with us, doesn't it? I'm sort of saying this as if it's a universal experience, but I don't know if it is. I wonder if other people worry if they are good enough. I wonder if other people worry whether or not their friends like them. It's something that plagues my mind all the time, whether or not I am appealable to my friends, particularly because when I have depressive bouts... I'm not very good at being a friend, but I like to think that I am a good friend when I'm not in those bouts. Anyway, I really loved your call and I'd love it if you called back. I'd love it if we could make this bit more of a community centre. Hi, Scotty. I'm calling in from my drive from warm, delightful North Carolina back up to my parents' home in Canada. I'm dead bored, so I thought I would give you a call after listening to the podcast and not to worry, I've quarantined for two weeks before seeing my family. The caller who called in saying that every full moon her mother would transform into a werewolf, every full moon my mother transformed into a witch and she would bring out a broomstick and her spell books, which were just old books that I couldn't read because I was little, and tell me that she was going flying with all her friends and I wasn't to bother her that day. And I think it gave her one day off a month. One particularly traumatizing time, I got a hold of one of her spell books and she faked a phone call and told me that I had turned Cinderella all the way at Disneyland into a chili pepper. And all the children at Disneyland were quite disappointed because they couldn't meet Cinderella because I had transformed her into a chili pepper. And I think my mother took this a little bit too far because she told me she didn't know the spell to turn Cinderella back and this was permanent. And she only found the spell after I had a nervous breakdown as a sad little, you know, five or six year old. Anyways, I hope you find that story entertaining. Thanks for keeping me busy on my drive back home. Bye. Ah. Oh, I mean, why have children if you can't traumatise them? (laughs) Why have kids if you can't create some little bit of entertainment for yourself? In this very small market research between Providanza, who I believe uses they-them pronouns, and yourself, (laughs) it is... (laughs) 
<laughs> that parents in the United States of, of America have really got a good sense of humour. <laughs> Poor Cinderella, still at it, apparently. I really love this, like, sense of mysticism that these parents built. A, because, uh, you know, like, we've probably kept a whole bunch of therapists in work and, you know, driven our own economy there for a while. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and also it's kind of creative and exciting, isn't it? It's better than just like, I'll sit in front of the telly. Also, I just noticed there that I just said you're from the USA and actually you just said you were heading up to Canada, which makes me a really bad person, a person of North America. Thank you so much for calling. You know me with an international phone call. You know me with an international phone call. Love it. Um, more of that behaviour, please. Uh, it sounded like you were driving. Please don't call me when you're driving again because I was just worried about what the end of that message would sound like and that's it for another week i mean it was a really thinky heartfelt emotional show today wasn't it and you know i just want to put a kind of show notes to that that yeah this isn't gonna be a space all the time where we can laugh and roll around the floor and be silly sometimes it is going to be where we need to grieve and talk about the mucky stuff and if you are up for that and you are up for that ride then you are more than welcome to be here like i say it would be lovely to hear from you on the internet i am scotty is fat across all platforms but you can also talk to us off your own accord using hashtag after the tone pod p-o-d like i said we have got a Christmas Gone Wrong show coming up next week, which I'm very excited about. We've got a couple of very special features from some of the regulars, which would be very lovely. But it would be really gorgeous if you haven't got anything for that, just to tell us what you're planning, thinking, doing, or feeling about 2021. You know the number by now, so pick up the WhatsApp and uh, drop us a line. So, without further ado, I hope you have a lovely one. I hope if you're doing that Christmas caboodle that you don't get your knickers in a twist and you aren't trying to find everything for everyone remember it's just a day okay it's just a day for roast potatoes so have a good one and until next week see you on the other side After the Tone is presented by me, Scotty, produced by Debbie Kilbride, with shout-outs this week to Liv Morris, Lorraine Bowen, JJ Cranston and Podcast.co. It's a Debbie Productions production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.